You know, Emily, I've been thinking. What have you been thinking, sweetheart? Well, this is our first podcast since we've gotten married, and we try to do a squeaky clean podcast around here. Right, we do. But now that we're married, it's Uh-oh. all of a sudden okay to talk about sex, <laughs> isn't it? I saw this coming. I, I don't think so. Well, why not? Well, let's see. You know, I don't really have a comeback for that. Live from the mysterious mist and shrouded mountaintop headquarters of X and Y Communications, it's X and Y on the Fly with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Yes, indeed. Here it is. Episode 19 of X and Y on the Fly. My name is Scott McKay, and I'm your host. With me, as always, is the lovely and talented co-host, and her name is Emily Emily McKay. McKay. The new Mrs. McKay is going to be my co-host from now on, so I guess that makes us just Scott and Emily is good enough, isn't it? I think that sounds great. Yeah. Why be Emily Grillo and Scott McKay? We can just be Scott and Emily. That's what it'll be. Works for me. Hey, you know, we know it's been pretty much a month since we put out a podcast around here. Man, it's just been a crazy life, hasn't it, Emily? It has, one thing after another. Planning for the wedding, lots of fits and starts. You know, we had all kinds of crazy things happen, a house full of family. But we had a wedding. It was a fantastic one. Got back from the honeymoon. Both of us didn't run away from the altar, which is a good thing. (laughs) And we had a great honeymoon, like you said. We did. And you know what? We're going to start something different this week because we felt now was the best time we are going to do mobile podcasting. Now we have it all equipped to do so. Right. Some of our best materials when we're in the car just yapping to each other. Some of the other podcasters are doing this very successfully, so we figured we're going to do mobile podcasting. And we started off at our wedding doing this mobile podcasting, and we got everybody's views on dating and relationships, some of my friends and even my 87-year-old grandmother telling us how to attract men. Wow. Did you even did you listen to I that yet? I didn't hear that. I got to hear that one. Oh yeah, I've got that all sliced up, diced up, and ready to put into this podcast, and you don't want to miss it. So you know, as my friend Steve the Dean Williams would say, get your crayons out because you're going to want to hear this. Okay, so 9th December we got married. 11th we went to a honeymoon. We had a day there in between to spend with family and spend with the kids. Uh huh. And um, so what happened on the wedding? On you the look, wedding? You looked fantastic. Your dress was absolutely amazing. Did I leave you breathless? Breathless. Everything in me that says, don't be a wussy boy, you know, I tell you what, guys, when you have the woman of your dreams in front of you, and she is dressed in the most killer wedding gown, and you know she's got it all decked out just for you, it really should leave you absolutely speechless. If it doesn't completely move you, then, you know, something's wrong. And, man, this one, you know, we'll have the website up. We'll have uh, the MySpace profile will be updated with a couple pictures from the wedding. And we'll have a couple pictures for you elsewhere. But, wow, did she look great. And um, we had a wedding, and my brother officiated. That's right. Yeah. And He's he, the one who got the tail. My brother got the tail? He got the tail. I David think. got the nose. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the little kids got a piece of tail. I know that at our wedding. Yeah? And it was from the armadillo. Oh. But, yeah, my brother got a piece of the armadillo. For those of you who aren't from Texas, United States, it's customary in certain circles to have the groom's cake be an armadillo 
with, of course, red velvet inside, and we, we did that, and it was lots of fun. So Emily and I did our vows to each other. We did write our own vows, and let me tell you something. I think it's very important that when you get married that you spell out what you're promising to each other. Yeah, that nicely you have something to give the other in writing. And you know, here for the first time ever, Emily has outdone me <laughs> with the gift of gab. Well, she was more eloquent, talked longer than her husband did, amazingly. Yeah, I actually, I didn't think that was going to happen. Well, it most certainly did, but I think we both had pretty good vows. It's amazing how, how similar they were, and we didn't even know what the other one was going to write. We didn't. We had no idea. One of the things I tried to focus on in mine was the concept of, I'm going to continue to try to deserve you. That's sweet. Well, you remember it, right? Yes. And you said something, something very similar. Right. I was thinking about all the things that we do together, the special things that you do, uh, the things I, I want to continue doing for you. Right. And that's the way a partnership should be. And when you're looking for someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, you've got to figure out, first of all, what it is you want before you can go about deserving it. Very important. First thing first. First thing first is you, you go... Know exactly what you want. Find out who you are first so that you know who's your complement. Write it down. Nothing's more valuable than writing it down so that you are focused on it. So you actually would write a whole list down. I wrote down what I wanted in a person. You know, I kind of had a spreadsheet. And at this point, we're talking a lot about what I'm going to be dealing with, the kind of material, the subject material we're going to be talking about in How to Manage Your Wildly Successful Dating Life, which is the next book we'll be doing here together. But I had a spreadsheet, like I said, and what I did was I actually had my own ranking system where once I knew what I was looking for in a woman, because I'm so right-brained, ironically enough, it forced me to make a spreadsheet and really put it down into some sort of statistical analysis so I could figure it out. Does that make sense to you? That's really deep. If you're a right-brained guy, from coming from the artistic perspective as opposed to the purely mathematical perspective, which I am, and you're more of a left-brainer, which is probably why it sounds deep, because you're doing all this automatically anyway. Well, mine was simple, but I'll tell you about it in a minute. Okay. Anyway, I had to say, instead of just, eh, well, we'll throw a few blades of grass up in the air and see which way the wind's blowing, I had to actually figure out, okay, what is important to me in a woman? And I had to kind of rank those factors into a 100-point system, and that actually helped me figure out more than just a subjective piece of, okay, do I like this woman or not, helped me kind of head check myself. And as cold and as sterile as that sounds, I am not a cold, sterile person, and that's why I can act on emotion so much. And it ended up meaning, meaning to me that I, I couldn't get rid of a lot of these women because I liked hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. But that's not fair to everybody. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to other women, other people in general, because if I have someone I say, hey, you know, I kind of like hanging out with you. I'd like to hang out with you again but there's someone else I want to hang out with more than that person. I have to have some mechanism to be able to figure that out. Right. You see where I'm going with that? Right. Oh, I you're totally confused. Right. So to unconfuse my free-thinking, artistic way of saying, hey, I love everybody. <laughs> In order to come down to one woman, I had to have some system where I said, okay, based on experience of dating all these women and, and doing things in somewhat of a haphazard manner, I, hey, I like you, I met you online, I bumped carts with you at the store, or however I met you. We go on a date or two, we had fun, should we continue it? Do you 
beyond the surface, beyond the mere, hey, here's what I'm feeling factor. How do I balance my thinking and my feeling and decide who it is I really want to marry? And obviously you were a 100. I was. You were a 100. I've never seen this spreadsheet. Oh, I don't know. I I'm not sure this. you really want to see the spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm not even sure it really existed. I may have conveniently deleted it. But a lot of the women I was dating came out anywhere from 56, say, to maybe high 80s. Being in the 90s was extraordinarily rare. But the bar kept getting raised, and actually, you ended up being a 100. I did. Yeah, you started out as a 98 or 99, uh -huh. but you gained that extra point somewhere. Probably because I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. That made me lose a point. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time we ever, when we ever that met each other. That makes sense now, because you told me at, at the very first time we met yeah. that I lost a point. Yeah, that was, that was great. That's one of the reasons you were attracted to me. You were cute. <laughs> well, what, for, <laughs> for the benefit of those of you listening, Emily and I met each other online, and our first meeting was breakfast at an IHOP. Very basic, you know. Again, get your crayons out, guys, as Steve, my friend Steve Dean Williams would say. You know, you, I didn't take her out to a fancy dinner or anything. That came later. Well, fancy honeymoon we just had. That, that pretty much was the culmination. Oh, the fancy of, dinner came two days later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're at breakfast, and she said, um, well, I can eat just about anything and not gain a single ounce. I said, oh, you're ruining your chances. You just lost a point on that one. And she looked at me like for a split second as if, is this guy serious? And when I, the corner of my mouth turned up, you knew. I knew you were kidding for the moment you spit that out your mouth. And you knew we were going to get along. Oh, yeah. it was hilarious. It's funny. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> that was the kind of reaction I expected from you anyway. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I had all these different points. I don't happen to remember them all anyway. I'll have them all hashed out by the time the book's, the book's available. But you're talking about a completely different system. My system was simple. I looked at myself, and whether I was patient or impatient, you know, where I was patient and impatient is one example. Just think about all the different attributes. And I looked online, first of all, to kind of find all the different attributes that existed, being always in a good mood or bad mood, um, I can't seem to think of them at the moment, but I looked online and found all these different attributes, figured out which ones applied to me, who would be a good complement to that, where I was weak, where I'd have to find, if where I was weak, I wanted to find somebody who was strong in those aspects. Wrote that down, thought about all the people I've dated, what I liked about them and what I least liked about them, and found out if there was a pattern. And where there was a pattern, I focused very heavily on avoiding that. So what's so different from the way you're doing things to the way I'm doing things? Well, I didn't put it on a spreadsheet. Well, it's funny. Because you're so left-brained, you wrote it out in narrative. And because I'm so right-brained and I like to write free-form stuff, I had to put it down on a spreadsheet. Which should be the other way around. Where does this all come back around? Balance. You have, you have to have to, a goal. You have to know from a complete perspective. All the details, the statistics, and the feelings. Thinking and feeling, as they would say in Myers-Briggs, right? Right. Well, going back to what you just said right there is just absolutely perfect because that's what I did first. Right. Anytime I met somebody, I refused to let my heart get into it. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I did exactly that. I first analyzed them, made sure that they matched to what I was looking for. If they didn't, I had to very quickly decide what to do with that person. You throw them on the friendship pile or just delete them from my <laughs> the life. JBF files, right? Exactly. But that gives you the point. I wasn't going to fall in love with somebody. Cause I've heard the expression, 
Oh, you can't help who you fall in love with. Oh, yeah, you can. You can. Absolutely. You can decide if this person's wrong for me, you can cut it before it gets too deep. Right. If you go in it half-heartedly or just, like you said, throw the seeds up in there and let them land where they may fall, you're going to fall in love with the wrong person. Every time, especially if there's a pattern in your life. And then there's heartache, and the whole nine yards goes into that. It, just avoid it by doing it the right way. The and then time. that's when you come down to settling for somebody. Because right. you said, all right, okay, well, here's someone in my life. I need to keep them. I love them. I can't stand not to be with them. Or I think I love them. I don't know what love means, but I hope I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see my face. Oh, my God, that was a scary thought. Yeah, well, we need to have a video podcast because, yeah, you need to see that, that face. But, yeah, the whole concept of not knowing what you want invariably leads to settling. On the other hand, and you and I were talking about this on the plane, remember, on the way to the honeymoon, the whole concept of deserving what you want involves never settling for less than you think you deserve. Right. And that is integrally tied to the concept of perfect imperfection, knowing what you want. The woman who I am most attracted to and is most perfectly suited to me may not be the media's impression and may not be some other guy's impression or may not even be that woman's impression. And now the last one is very important because I've been out with women who say, I'm perfect for you. How come you can't just get a two-by-four upside the head and see that? Well, because I'm more focused than she is. I'm sorry if that sounds really, really over the top, but it's true. There's lots of women who are willing to settle for me when I wasn't willing to settle for them. Does that even the playing field? I was not perfect for that woman. But because I was more so than whoever else she'd been dating, unfortunately, lately, she was saying, hey, we're perfect for each other. No, she hasn't done the homework. Right. Now, I've come across that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Two individuals may be great people, just not great together. And unless you've done the homework, you don't even realize this. So as cold-hearted as it sounds for us to say, hey, you need a spreadsheet, you need a way of figuring out statistically whether people are good for you or not, again, you and I, Emily, are, are people who come from the heart. Right. We both had a very, very honest way of coming at each other. We want to give our heart to someone, and we did to each other. Very fast, too. <laughs> Relatively, yeah. And that came again from knowing. Oh, yes. It came from being very trial cautious. And error. Trial and error. And knowing what we wanted. And that's, knowing that it was safe. Yeah, and that's the only reason why it was fast. Because we had all those things. And look what you said. The safety factor. Huge. You don't even know that unless you've been out with someone who wasn't safe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. Right. And that goes for men or women. I, I've been out with women who wanted to make my life miserable. They were being someone they weren't. Put that in your narrative, your spreadsheet, whatever you're using. Like I said, we're talking about something that seems cold here, but it's really not because your life is as you choose to live it. And you must choose someone to live the rest of your life with who is compatible with you. If it's, not some, if it's, if it's somebody else's man or woman you're dating, let them go. If it's just short-term fun you're looking for, that's fine, but you must have some mechanism, like you said, Emily, so you don't fall in love with them. And if you start falling in love with the wrong person, bam, that's the time to cut it. Let's simplify it. Okay. Let's bring it down to a very simple level because things can get pretty deep. Let's say children. You want kids. 
the person you're dating doesn't. And if you haven't bridged this, uh, knowing this information early on, and you let yourself fall deeply in love with this person, you're going to go, well, they may not want kids now, but they'll change their mind later. And the whole, the whole concept of, you know, red flags, danger signs, should I stay or should I run away, which was our first podcast, which had horrible sound quality, so most of you have not heard it. You know, if someone has addictions, if someone has just a bad history, and you know you need not be with them, but they're tugging at your heartstrings from some emotional perspective, you just love them, you are setting yourself up for something bad. Tell you're down the road. Absolutely. Deal with the pain. Suffer the consequences now. I know I've gone down that road myself, and I've been more than thankful that I've chosen that path of deciding to cut those strings, feel the hurt, mourn, you know, the broken relationship so that something better is going to come along. And, you know, you and I both, as we went on with dating, you know, you had shorter time than I. I enjoyed my dating more than you did. But as we went... <laughs> you enjoyed it longer than I <laughs> right. did. I enjoyed it, too. As, as long... <laughs> you know, hey, dating hasn't stopped. You and I still get to go dating. That's right. I did that the other day, didn't we, I? We should go singing tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Let's go dating. Let's go. I, I have a date tonight. Yeah, you, you and I have a date tonight. All right, so basically, we're talking about this whole spreadsheet thing, and the reason why this is so integral to what we're calling the wedding cast is because it is what makes you and I perfect for each other. We recognize it when we see it. Hey, we went on a wedding, and you know, we both got cranky when we hadn't had any sleep, and we were jet lagged, and our feet hurt because we walked so much. But <laughs> ultimately, you and I know we're partners. Right. We're going to stay that way. It's all good. The reason we got to where we are is because we knew what we were looking for. Hey, you know what would be a good thing to do now? What? Listen to what some of our friends had to say. Okay. All right, let's cut to some of the uh, sound clips from our wedding. We'll be right back. Okay, so I'm here talking to my new friends. What are your names again? Because I know I didn't invite you. <laughs> I'm Heather Peterson. Forrest Peterson. And you're friends of Emily's? Yes. Now, you were just telling me an incredible story about your mom, yeah. who also met online like, like Emily and I did. Yeah. In fact, she'd been single for five years and then met um, someone online and went over to California. We lived in Arizona. She went over to California to meet him and for a weekend and came back married. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. We weren't very happy about it. Um, she came back and said, I, you know, he was great. Can't wait for you to meet him. Didn't tell us she was married. And then um, had him come and visit and meet all the family, and then they broke the news that they were married. So they didn't even have to have a long-distance relationship. They just bypassed the long-distance relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> eight, years, eight years now they've been married. Yeah. Happily. Yeah. yeah, it's very happy. We just love him. That's great. Yeah. Well, hey, there you go. Yep. Sometimes it's just meant to be. So, you know, you could have sped up your whole process a lot faster. Well, you know, uh, we were, like, you know, just kind of playing the field, and once we met each other, everybody else was off the table in, like, five days. Yeah. yeah it's all done. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you could have done it earlier. Yeah, we could have, but, you know, we don't want to shock people. <laughs> yeah, right. it wasn't so great for the, you know, five kids on her side of the family, five kids on his side. It was a little bit of a shock for all right. of us. Right. Well, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for coming, and you guys all have a good time Thank tonight. You, Thank you, too. Great.
Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> all that's pretty much self-explanatory, isn't it? It certainly is. We love our friends, and um, they love us. <laughs> she said it, not me. Um, but you know, getting to know people and having people in your life who you love is absolutely as crucial to being able to have a healthy relationship with someone as loving yourself. I was funny that you should mention this. I was thinking this very thought earlier today regarding friends and who you're dating. And very, very key, I think this is important not to ignore. If your friends don't like who you're dating, don't ignore it. Because, you know, I've been on dates. My friends have been, you know, who I've introduced to my friends, and they're like, we don't like them. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Looking back, each and every time, they were right. All right, well, from a guy's perspective, it's a little different. Sometimes their jealousy comes in play. And guys will say things like, hey, you know what, I don't like who you're dating, and she's this, that, and the other. Then you break up with her because you feel self-conscious about it. Next thing you know, that guy's dating her. He's not your friend. Well, I guess you got a pretty good point there, don't you? Then you cut the strings with him and just find a real friend so that next time you can actually go by his judgment. Man, the importance of having people who are genuine in your life. Right. Like we alluded to before, the concept of my brother officiating over our wedding. We had no worries there. And man, David is his name. My brother's name is David. And Emily's son, who's now my stepson, is also named David. Right. If we use the word David, you're going to have to kind of like translate on your own who we're talking about sometimes. (laughs) I mean, we have that problem. Right, exactly. But David said some wonderful things to you and I, and I had no idea what he was going to say. Probably, you know, you and I can complete each other's sentences, and like we said on this podcast already, wow, it's amazing you were thinking that because I was thinking the same thing. And that's one of the reasons we know we're together. But the only other person on earth who can do that is my brother. Like just like me and my sister. Right. And your sister was your uh, She's my matron of honor. Let's listen to what my brother had to say. All right. That might be fun. This is not me talking. It is my brother talking. You and I sound a lot alike. You all act alike. Sound alike. You all are just so way out there. (laughs) But in many ways, we're very different. But listen to my brother. Here's some of the words he had to say at our wedding. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, who was supposedly the wisest man on earth. At least at the time, I guess until Jesus came. But, you know, sometimes we get caught up in our jobs, our vocations, you know, our, our families, our, our lifestyle, the things around us. It's so easy to get caught up in things. But at the very end, we think of Solomon as the teacher. And uh, it kind of goes along with some of the sort of things that, uh, that Scott's been doing with his life lately, you know, sharing his wisdom, imparting his wisdom. And Emily has joined him in the, in the crusade to kind of help people to, to, to improve themselves and be the best mate, the best husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you that they can be. I think Solomon might have had a few things to say about that. In, in chapter 12, verse 9. So what a great wedding. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I think that there's only two times in your life when you get everybody together. Who you Death love. and weddings. Yeah, and we were alive for this. <laughs> and that was an excellent thing. You know, you don't, you know, your funeral, you probably won't be You're there. guaranteed that everyone show up at a funeral. Weddings are guaranteed most people, but we actually did get everybody there. And you know what we did? You know, obviously, most of you know by now, if you're following this podcast, that Emily and I love to do karaoke. We had karaoke at our wedding. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. And some of my friends are like closet singers, and we didn't even know this. My friend Pat Quinn, who uh, is a very big guy who also races BMX, which is intensely cool, did the Mustang Sally rendition. Oh, he did perfect. It was, it was awesome. 
And then my brother and I and another guy did Baby Got Back, right? <laughs> and we funny. nailed it. Yeah. And you did your your patented uh, Diana Ross and Gwen Stefani moves. Mm-hmm. You and my sister. That's right. We did, didn't we? Yeah. My sister Heather and Emily did uh, Gwen Stefani together. And then me and my sister did, uh, what's that song? We Are Family. We Are Family. Oh, um, yeah. Great to watch. Terrible song. Great to watch you both do it. And then my dad doing Elvis. And My Darkest Secret of the Wedding, that I sang the most wussy boy song of all time to my wife, which was definitely a one-off. And if you listen to the Mr. Nice Guy show that I do with Steve, Steve the Dean Williams, which is a parody of how nice guys shouldn't be acting if they want to attract women, the song Misty by Johnny Mathis has got to be the most wussy boy song of all time. But it is also one of the most powerfully cool songs to sing to your wife when you're doing karaoke. Mm-hmm. Of course, my favorite. Me, I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree. You know, that whole deal. Right. And then the Hootie and the Blowfish song, oh, Hold My Hand. My favorite was the last song. Oh, yeah. Tell them about that. Oh, just melt. They had me come up to the stage and they had a chair for me. And I wait, had wait, me. wait. Who's they? Who, who they is they me. Is, you had me do that, huh? Yeah, I brought you up to the stage and I put that chair there. Well, I heard my name, so I knew I had to go up there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Go they ahead. called me up there. You? Me. Oh, I was out of it. Yeah, well, that was the wine and the shiner. Oh, I was fine. I didn't have no shiner. Well. Yeah. Anyway, I get Shiner is a beer in Texas, by the way. It's not a black eye, for those of you who are wondering. So go ahead. <laughs> I get up there, and you start singing that song that I love so much. When we first got engaged, you sang that. You dedicated yep. that to me. I dedicated this song when we first got engaged, and I knew I Sinatra. needed to sing it Frank Sinatra. Can I Steal a Little Love? And you nailed it beautifully. <laughs> Very romantic. <laughs> oh, yeah, guys. Get your crayons out. When you sing to your wife, sing Can I Steal a Little Love by Frank Sinatra, it rocks. It does. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Google the words. You'll love it. Maybe now we should talk about the honeymoon. Okay. Now, let me tell you about this honeymoon. Some of you know already that I've been in the uh, telecommunications world for years. And for many of those years, I lived in a town that was served by pretty much one airline. So I've got over 200,000 miles on one airline. So you and I were able to go pretty much anywhere we wanted. And you had never been to Europe before. I took her to Europe. So two days after our wedding was done, we got on plane, Air France, Flight 19. Sweet, right? We spent the day in New York first. You've never been to New York. Never been to New York? Yeah, so we went to New York, hung out a little bit, did a little Times Square deal there. And uh, we got on a plane, flew the drink, and we went to Paris, France. Beautiful. Very romantic. Even when it's freezing, it's romantic. <laughs> it was very cold, but you know what, man? Everybody says that French people are very rude to Americans. You know what I think? I was expecting that. I mean, I can't believe how many people told me that. I didn't find that one person rude. No, everybody was incredibly nice to us. You know why? Because we weren't rude to them. I think American tourists are rude to French people first. And then they go around wondering why French people are rude back. Look, if you're going to someone else's country, don't expect them to speak your language. And don't expect them to pander to you because you're American. That's just wrong. So we, you know, we're very, very respectful to everybody. We smiled first. I tell you what. I speak Spanish fluently, as do you. Mm-hmm. French confounds the heck out of me. <laughs> it is very I, different. I don't know how to pronounce that stuff. Mm-mm. 
And it's funny because I think they sense that. And as long as you make an effort and you and you don't try to be arrogant and say, hey, look, your your language sucks, speak mine, people were very, very nice. Very helpfully. They went out of their way to try to help us. So we went up to the Eiffel Tower at night, which was freezing, but it rocked. Oh, yes. It was so cool. I mean, they have these they have these lights on the thing that, like, sparkle all around, and it only does it, like, once every hour, and it happened to go on while we were up there. Yes. Sweet, didn't it? And so um, we did, did the Champs-Élysées thing. The next day we did the Louvre, and then we got on The Louvre all, was incredible. And oh, yeah. just just breathtaking, because that Mona Lisa there, right. which I've never... I showed up the Louvre going, okay, we're here. It's another structure. Not really fully understanding. Another five-block-long structure that... Well, that, whatever. you know, I'm not an artist, so I don't know what's all in there. Not really knowing the impact of the Mona Lisa. I know it's a very famous painting. Right. Until, you actually be in, until you're actually in front of that painting, you right. don't truly understand the impact of it. Well, this is the first time I've heard you acknowledge that. I told you that. The, wow. th- the thing makes faces at you. It's... It's either smiling or serious. I know, right. And it's like one of those things that you see in fun houses that follows you around while you're looking and you at just don't want to leave it's when you're there. It's an amazing mystifying thing. It's behind bulletproof glass. You can't get within 20 feet of it. But, hey. So we did that. I mean, there's so much to see. just wasn't enough time. We just scratched the surface. We didn't even really get to delve in deep into it all. One of the things when you're from America... That you that you fail to realize until you're actually there in Europe is how new everything is in America. Yeah. yeah. Everything's 240 years old. Even or the less. stuff that we call old here right. isn't old. I mean, there they have like Benetton and limited stores in 800 year old buildings. More like a thousand. I know it's amazing. Two thousand year old buildings. And so you know, it's with a great sense of respect that we went and, and uh, saw that, and then we got on an overnight train and went mm-hmm. to Italy. Yes. And we we did the deal where you have six people in one room. <laughs> and there was this poor other lady who I think was horrified the whole night. <laughs> she was, poor thing. And then there were three college students from Chile. Uh-huh, very sweet. Yeah, and they found out I was a dating coach, and that was really cool to them. And, mm-hmm. and these three kids basically found three other women on the train. Mm-hmm. And they, they just had all their skills in order, didn't they? They did. Yeah. They, they were very charming, and they just were very eloquent, very um, outgoing. Oh, yeah. Lots, Lots of fun. So Emily and I enjoyed them immensely, and I think vice versa. And Emily and I were trying to snuggle up on one bed and looking, you know. We're laughing and having a good yeah. time. The poor woman was probably just horrified. Oh, probably horrified. God bless her. So we got to Italy the next morning, and you and I are going to take Italian lessons. Yes, Definitely. <sighs> Italy. One of the easiest languages to learn, I think. If you know Spanish. We know Spanish. It's a, honestly, I think we can pick up this language. I don't know what other countries in the world besides Italy speak Italian, but I don't care. Italian is so cool. I mean, everything you think about in terms of how they speak the language, how it flows, the beauty of it. When you go to Italy and you just, you just feel the experience, the Italian experience is really, really neat. The first place we went was Rome. I had never been to Rome before. Emily had never been to Rome before. The first thing that hit me was how few people actually live there. I mean, it's like the size of San Antonio. Right, probably half of the people live there. Yeah, and <laughs> the people there live there. And there are so many things to see. It's just overwhelming. Everywhere you go, something and, old and amazing. And it's all within walking distance. We walked and right. walked and 
we didn't take any cabs or anything like that. We just no. did, we just walked and we go off in one direction, lost, not okay, how are we supposed to get over here and we bump into something else. Yeah, and just like France, at night it's a completely different experience than the daytime. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful at beautiful. night. I'm glad we didn't do the daytime walk. Right, but I mean, what a great place for people who are in love. Mm-hmm. And we had a, we had a great time there. Met lots of great people. We got pictures everywhere we went and had the food in Italy. We posed with the person who was feeding us. Right. Fantastic. Wine is cheaper than water. Coke is more expensive than champagne here. Oh boy, did we miss our sodas so bad? <laughs> I've, I've come home, and since I've come home, I've probably drained a twelve pack of Diet Coke just because it's ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking like a half a liter of wine, half a quart of wine, what, $2 we saw one place, right? Right. Yeah, fantastic. Italy, we highly recommend. Just got to do Italy. And forget what you heard about Italian food being better here than it is in Italy. Italian food in Italy is just ridiculous. Awesome. Good stuff. As a matter of fact, for those of you who bought Cook for Your Date, our book, I have a few recipes I'm going to add. I'm going to probably send them out to the mailing list for Cook for Your Date. And um, they're going to be based on our trip to Italy and to France. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the things we had in France were fantastic. That one dinner, man, those guys take their food seriously, even at a basic bistro. And another thing I love about both Italy and France is you can eat dinner as late as you want. Mm -hmm. These guys were modeled after my own heart. I mean, they want to stay up all night. I mean, you can go out at any restaurant on a Monday night, and it's still open till midnight. Twelve at night, Oh, yes. beautiful, wonderful. Forget this, we roll up the sidewalks up at 9 o'clock. Heck with that. But Italy, we went from there in, in Rome, where we saw all the amazing stuff. Met wonderful, again, everybody was fantastic. Went to Florence. Florence was a bit of a letdown, because Rome is just so overwhelming. Right, if you travel, go Florence first, and then Rome. Yeah, and then we went to Milan, which is much more industrial. And I'm thinking, you know, we had a great dinner there. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to, like, hang out and do the modern Italian experience, got to do Milan. Right. We just had a couple hours during a layover. So, yeah, we got to spend some time in Milan, but I don't have a problem with that. It was cool. Yeah. I'd, like, lo- I'd love to go to Ma- back to Milan and just hang this, out. This is great. I lose my purse on the wrong train. Right, which I put us on. <laughs> We get on the wrong train, realize we're on the wrong train. Our train's right next to it, ready to leave. Yeah. We run to the other train, catch it, and as soon as our train starts, we're talking about starts to roll out, I realize, oh, my gosh, my purse is on the other train. And you got it back. I did. And you had five carabinieri, which is the National Police of Italy, helping you out to get your beloved purse back to you, which didn't even have your blasted passport in it. Just, and, and just a lot that. of expensive makeup. Yes. Yeah. Makeup well, is expensive. Women, yeah. As women, we know this. Makeup is so expensive to replace. I wasn't worried about nothing else. It's just a driver's license, one credit card, and makeup. And nothing else. The makeup was the important part. The purse was, you know, needed to be replaced. But that's the only thing I was worried about was my makeup. Well, we got that back, and we landed in Switzerland. Now, the reason we were in Switzerland is because... Be- because the nature of how the flights worked, I could take off from somewhere different than where we landed. So I decided to do that because we had the train pass. So I picked Geneva, Switzerland from the very few options we had. Now, Geneva, man, it's nice. The lake is beautiful. In December, it is freaking cold. <laughs> cold weather. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool to look up and see the red flags with little crosses in them and do the Swiss chalet thing. 
And we took a train up to the mountains and saw all the Swiss stuff, ate lots of chocolate. Yeah. yeah. But, man, I don't know how people survived the cost of living there. McDonald's was $27 for two of us. That's right. And the reason why we're at McDonald's is because that's all we could afford. That was the cheapest thing. We wanted to do the fondue thing. What would have been like $300 for the both of us to do fondue? It was absolutely messed up. <laughs> and we found a woman there who spoke really, really good English. And we asked her about how do people afford to live here? And she was really kind of like wanting to change the subject. Mm-hmm. Really? Right? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Remember we had like the $5 six-ounce beers? Where was that? At our hotel, right? It was at our hotel, the bar at our hotel. Well, I love Switzerland, but I couldn't get out of our hotel room fast enough. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, if you haven't figured out already, the frequent flyer miles got us to Europe, but once we got there, it was just a matter of sticker shock from one place to the next. So going over there really, we could take a plane trip to anywhere we wanted. So we went there from the perspective of, Spending money for the honeymoon, we were thinking, okay, we're going to spend money anywhere. Right. Wherever we go. So we might as well go where we want to go. But, man, we got to Switzerland, and it wasn't Kansas anymore. <laughs> then, you know, we got on the plane home, which we were very glad to be on. Continental Airlines, you've got to love them. Felt good to feel like we were in America again. Mm-hmm. Got home, spent another day in New York, went to the shopping district, which probably made Switzerland look cheap. Right. Got another plane, came home, and we had been up for like 26 hours straight. And what did the cab guy, what was he, what were we talking about last night? The Spurs. Oh, he wanted to argue. Oh, uh, bas- bas- basketball. Oh, God. Guys were out there, have you ever been up like 28, 29 hours straight and some brother <laughs> wants to debate with you something intellectual and you're just like, look, man, I guess I'll take a bed. rain check. I, I'm stupid. Forget it. The cab driver wanted to talk to me about like oh, detail me about questions. the Spurs. One, two, three, four. Oh, See, does that make my point? And the worst part was I didn't agree with him about anything. It was all about the center situation on the Spurs. And all I wanted to know was how my team did for the last nine days. And the guy had to make a running commentary on the coach. And I said to him six times, look, man, my brain cells are fried. I've been up for 27 hours straight. I just want to go home. And we got home, and I don't even remember hitting the bed last night. I don't either. No. I just remember waking up this morning. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yes. Remember the part about not talking about sex? Right. It looks like we just did. (laughs) We're still on our honeymoon. Yeah, we're still on our honeymoon. So with that, we're going to leave you with a little clip from our wedding. And we thank all of you who listened to us. This has kind of been a strange podcast for us because it's been kind of more of a storytelling thing than a dating strategy thing. But we're going to come back at you next time and talk to you about all about Handling breakups, getting over it, because it happens to everybody, and we're going to talk about that hash it out. Yeah, and some of that's good stuff. Yeah, it is good Breaking stuff. Breaking up is stuff. not always a bad thing. No. And some of this has been good stuff. We uh, answered many of you who wanted to know about how the wedding worked and uh, how the honeymoon went. Check us out on www.myspace.com front slash x underscore and underscore y. And you will see some wedding pictures, hopefully, in the near future. Our website is www.deservewhatyouwant.com. Sign up for our newsletter. If you haven't, you're missing out on all the things that front this podcast. And also, if you're not listening to what we like to call the Mr. Nice Guy Show. That's with, hilarious. <laughs> with Steve the Dean Williams. My name is Justin B. Friendzion mm-hmm. on that. Check it out. 
our second episode of that's going to come out, and that's part of the P-Whip show on the OSG Network, which is osgnetwork.com. And that's a joint venture that I've been doing with Steve Williams, who's just become a great friend of mine. And we hope that you'll come see us next time. Go to our Frapper map, www.frappr.com, front slash X-A-N-D-Y. Pin yourself. The books we have are Deserve What You Want, Cook for Your Date, the soon-to-be-released How to Manage Your Wildly Successful Dating Life. If you're a guy who happens to be shorter than average and you're wondering about success with women, go to www.nottooshort.com, spelled T-O-O in the middle. And don't forget the latest that we've got going on, both Emily and I, are Power Sessions. Power Sessions for Men... Power Sessions for Women. Yep. You're going to be starting out with Power Sessions for Women. The first edition of Power Sessions for Men has already been released. That's at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. Front slash Power Sessions, all one word, front slash men. And yours will be front slash Power Sessions, front slash women. Yes, I'm putting some good material together. Hopefully Um, have that released sometime uh, the 1st of January somewhere. There you go. We've already got lots of people signed up for Power Sessions, and we hope that you'll join us. Until next time, this is Scott. And this is Emily. Be good. I wore my grandma's. You know, your grandma's. It's now it's champagne toast time, huh? Yeah. And we're going to pop champagne together. Ten bucks or twenty bucks a pop. What was this? I don't know, something like that. It's Corbell, whatever the going rate is. Right. It's on 15. So you're going to drink the Young Leaded, aren't, they? aren't you there, young man? What? You're going to drink Young, um, young Leaded. Unleaded. I'm going to have Young Leaded. Same difference. Right? I'm just going to have some wine. No, your, no yours is over there. What? You going to pop yours? Yeah, I'm going to pop mine. Well, we're about done here, and we're all done, um, whatever that means. About done and all done. I'm uh, medium rare. I'm not well done. Things are all finished around here, and the disc jockeys, the karaoke jockeys are left. I've just finished singing My Wife, Can I Still a Little Love by uh, Frank Sinatra. So my dad is my brother. Yeah, right. Well, I can do that. Yeah. The karaoke jockey just rode off into the moonset. Yeah, the moonset. So my dad and my brother and my Aunt Bonnie, who looks... Fascinatingly fantastic for her age. How old are you? That's a lot. No, wait, wait, wait. Fantastic, or whatever it was. Okay, well, there's there's only there's only ten thousand or so people listening to this podcast. So. Yeah, that's I wanted to be popular. Yeah, only like <laughs> only like a quarter of Yankee Stadium listens to this. Oh, all right, yeah. all at once, all in Yankee Stadium. Well, no, they're not all in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Big screen. Look at all the people have no stage fright. Isn't that, that freaking sweet? Um, so uh, yeah, you look great for 51. I know you, I know you're 51 because you're 11 years older than me. Yes, I know, and you always you're 11 can remember born. that. Yeah, I know. Yes, uh-huh. that's exactly right. Right. That's exactly right, and you were an awesome little kid. Yeah, even though you used to trick me by thinking uh, that Paul McCartney was hiding under your bed. Well, that's because the picture was very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were still being like You were tricked. very, very smart. Paul, Paul McCartney may yet hide under her bed again. Yeah, well, you know, he's recently divorced there. He's available. You mean he wasn't there? And, and she has two I legs. He was actually dead. He wouldn't like Paul me. Paul McCartney was actually dead at the time. Very good, very good. back, though. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, so impressions as we finish our reception. About to wrap this. Impressions. We do Johnny yeah. Carson. Impressions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's my socks going into that's my leg, but it's too much salt probably doing that. Yeah, You're right. wild stuff. We're uh, wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, very good. It was inspiring. Alliteration. That's what it was. Inspiring. How, how do you... 
Why would you say inspiring? Well, it's very inspiring to somebody. I mean, I'm an old married lady, you know, been married like 30 years, and so it's to the just same guy. To the no same less. guy, yeah. and you know, still wildly in love with him. How about that? But anyway, That's what true. what is inspiring is that anytime you see young love like that, a brand new marriage, it's just wonderful. Yeah, combined age is 75. I don't know about young love. Oh, well, I didn't say young people. I said young love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the love is young. Yeah, that's love, about yes, that. That's a young new marriage, and it's very inspiring yeah. because it makes you want to make everything young and new again in your own marriage. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. You know, young rhymes with lung. It rhymes with sung, which we did a lot tonight. Oh, so dung, it rhymes too. with dung. Yeah. <laughs> Stung. And fung is in foo fighting. It rhymes with fung. I don't know what that means. Way to go, way to go, go Reverend David. Mung with the kung fu fighting. Kung fu this, is, fighting. this is son father. Yeah, father too, son. too bad that Too bad the karaoke guy left already. Cause you're, they struck with he carried his okie out of here. That's what he did. Yeah, well, we did the karaoke wedding as we as we promised we would, as we threatened we would, and and sure enough, everybody did the same old, same old as usual. But hey, you know what? That means it all probably went well. So UBL and that's not kind of the same. Old. Yeah, UBL one is kind of a new one. That's yeah. a new And how many of us? We got the wedding planner and my and the reverend and I all to do baby got back. No comment. Yeah, well, that was a good deal. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Hey, the highlight was when your mom and sister and I did stop in the name of love, right? Yes. That was yeah. absolutely with, the, with the motions and the yeah. hands and the, the signals. Well, Heather, Heather and, and uh, Emily doing, no doubt, um, Hella Good by, um, by Gwen Stefani, no doubt. That was pretty good, too. And um, our wedding planner is still, like, walking around working. Which is amazing. He should be turning the heat off. He's a wedding cleaner upper. Wedding cleaner upper. To add to his title. Or planning, executing, and cleaning upping. Right. That's a good deal. Boy, do I have a lot of editing editing to do. You have a lot of editing to do? You know, if I don't like get everything right, somebody's going to nail me for it because I've got to drink so much. As long as they don't have a badge. Yeah, right. <laughs> all yes. those people out in Yankee State, they need to listen to you and Emily because you will not leave them all. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't. That's right. Yankee Stadium. <laughs> you we don't need those stinky badges. Stadium. Why didn't you say Oriole Park at Camden Yard? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think they seat as many people as Yankee Stadium. Well, it would truly be a quarter of Oriole Park. It'd be half of San Antonio, like, AT&T Center. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe. 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 So, Grandma, are you having a good time? Oh, and you have been.
charge like a man. Copyright 2006, X and Y Communications.